Um dia de sol Eu fui pra trabalhar Beautiful souls, I'm Camille. And this is Erica of the Healthcare from the Soul, the Healer's Journey podcast where we listen to stories from heart-centered healthcare providers who are rewriting their story as healers of this world. Now more than ever, they feel dissonance within themselves and the system and are answering their soul's calling for something more. Erica and Camille host retreats around the globe for healthcare professionals interested in discovering more about their life's purpose in the healing arts. To learn more, head on over to the show notes. Let's go to the show. Today we have a super special guest on the podcast, the one and only, our Erica Benedicto. Hey! (laughs) So happy to be here. We're so happy that you're here, Erica, and cannot wait to hear your story, your healer's journey. So please tell us, where did this begin for you? So it always goes back to the story that my mom likes to tell. Um, I was probably like three or four years old and my dad was a medical social worker and worked at St. Joseph's Hospital and at Seton in Chicago. And she would take me at lunchtime or after work and I would just run through the halls, puppy, 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 and I would jump into his arms and then he would take me into to meet the different doctors and the different nurses and everybody loved my dad and wanted him to become a doctor, wanted him to go into the healthcare world beyond the medical social worker. And it was just like the seed was planted early on or maybe it was just an expected destiny for me. Um, And so I just rode that path naturally and very innately. Um, It was just this road that was brought to me every step, like the volunteer work at the hospital and then the classes pre-med and then college and then the whole thing. And the final journey was supposed to be MD or DO. Mm -hmm. And in my first master's program, I did my master's in public health and I met this woman who was doing her PA, her physician assistant degree. She told me about it and I was like, what? Less time, less investment, less debt, and just as much independence um, and get to serve as many people as physicians do. Um, Why not? So I applied, got in and rode the journey for about five years before I think it started dawning on me that this isn't what I thought healthcare was. Um, And so I started talking to you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think my first dive into something other than what I was trained in was in nutrition, food is medicine. And so um, we... I just remember vividly sitting in Lockhart, working in the urgent care on a Saturday morning, trying to figure out what the name would be for our business, right? We decided to 
approach medicine in a different way. We didn't know exactly how that was, but we were just noodling the different possibilities. And I think that kind of started paving a different road for me that we weren't, that I wasn't feeling fulfilled in the way that I thought I would as a PA and that there was a different way that I didn't know how, but I knew that there was a different way that I could approach my patients and my practice that included more than just giving them pills. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so 2007 was when I started practicing and about 2011, 2012 was when it started to shift for me. Um, and a bunch of stuff started to shift for me in that time, right? So my dad had Alzheimer's and had been declining over a 15 year period. Um, a couple years later, he was diagnosed with leukemia and I was going through my own health struggles at the time. I had been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and it just didn't make sense why I would have this and um, what things I could do outside of the medicines that they were feeding me. Yeah, there was just a lot happening at this time. I had a significant breakup. So my heart was broken open. I had um, interesting relationships with my family. My work was being, you know, challenged. I was stepping into a new role as a practitioner, as a healing arts practitioner. And I just didn't know what it was, um, but it was revealing its, it was revealing its way in different manners. And I just started exploring whatever it was my soul was calling me to do. And that time I did yoga teacher training for healthcare professionals, which blew my whole world open. I walked the Camino de Santiago, which um, was such a fun, enlightening experience because it literally taught me in 32 days that the universe always has my back, that I always will have clothes, that I will have shelter, that I will have a bed to sleep on, that I will have people to support me, um, whatever it is that I chose, whatever path I decided to walk. And I think that that time in my life was really um, nourishing and um, supportive for me to make the transition into something else, which I didn't make officially until 2017. Um, and then I retired August of 2020. But there was always, there were always little steps and little experiences and um, little challenges along the way that brought me to here, which sounds really cryptic, right? <laughs> There's nothing concrete in there. Well, Erica, can you take us back to that moment? And maybe there wasn't a moment, maybe it was gradual, but was there like a specific patient or interaction within where you were working or something where you had that first inkling that maybe 
this isn't exactly what I thought it would be like practicing medicine in that way. Was there, was there a moment or was it gradual? I think the healing process is always nonlinear. Um, and there wasn't, so I can remember Dr. Gaganesia. So I had been diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 2006, like two months into my PA training. And I knew what it was. We had just been learning about inflammatory bowel disease, right? Uh, I knew what meds I needed to take. I knew like the whole trajectory of what it meant to, to have ulcerative colitis. But I also had this feeling in deep within me that there had to be a different way. And I didn't know if it was food, if it was meditation, if it was environment, uh, if it was social. Like I, I knew that there was something else outside of what they were giving me. But I didn't follow that because I was deep in to the conventional medicine realm, right? I was being, I was in my training and I was about to go into my preceptorships and I was gonna graduate and start practicing in this very conventional world. And yet I had this like light inside me that this wasn't, there was something not concrete about this diagnosis. And so I went through the process from 2006 to 2012, I think it was, where I got, I think I got like 10 colonoscopies in that time. And I was on every single medication. I was even on an immunomodulator, which they give to cancer patients. And I noticed that when I was super stressed the uc was very active and that led me to explore other ways and just keep going back to there's there's got to be something more there's got to be something more there's got to be something outside of this and when dr gagnesia so at one point in time austin had a monopoly on GI. And so there was only one practice that you could go to. Luckily, I was in the field. So I met somebody who agreed to give me a second opinion or third opinion, I think it was. And he stood in front of me and he said, I'm looking at your colonoscopy, your last colonoscopy, and I can't see any signs of ulcerative colitis. And this was 2012. And I he sat down next to me and he explained it to me that I had this tiny little patch and that this could be possibly the source of the bleeding and the inflammation and that that could be targeted with decreased inflammatory foods. Don't eat so much fast food, Erica, or maybe some stress relief techniques. He didn't have those techniques for me, but he said that maybe there's something else, maybe lifestyle changes mm. could help you. And that was the light that was like, okay, so I was right. <laughs> my intuition was spot on. And now it's time to explore that. And then at the same time, my dad was declining rapidly, despite being on all the medications that you're on for Alzheimer's. And at that point, I said, there has to be something more. So that's, yeah, when I started exploring um, this 
thought of Alzheimer's as type three diabetes and, you know, recommending decreased food or, you know, sugar intake. And so for myself, it was always that question that there has to be something more outside of what I was trained in, outside of like my whole life and understanding of what medicine is. And that's, I think that's when I made the distinction. I can't exactly say when there's a point, but that's when I made a distinction between medicine and healthcare and health and healing. And when I started down the healing path, healing doesn't give you a pill for every ill because there is no pill for healing. Healing is nonlinear. It requires you to go within and listen to the what I call the inner healer that everybody has, but has just been covered up from society, from culture, from commercials, from the healthcare system itself, from parents, from family, you know, families, friends, society, culture, whatever. Um, and that sometimes we get an opportunity to break out of that. And when you do, do you follow the possibilities or do you keep relying on, you know, the probabilities, which we're famous for in healthcare, you know, following metrics and numbers and probabilities, statistics. And I also believe that there's my mom and my sister have always been seekers of this quantum world of healing. So little seeds, even though, and intellectually, right? So very much um, text, like textual type information that our beliefs create our biology, our thoughts become things, our words become our world. And um, people like Joe Dispenza or um, Tony Robbins, <clears throat> Bruce Lipton, were always kind of on the fringe of my life and just like sprinkled in throughout my upbringing and then throughout my training. But the last five years, it's been all I've been diving into because it's all I really want to know as my, as the healing world now. It's no longer what many of us call the sick care world, right? For me, I believe that we all have the potential to heal from the inside out. And it starts with our belief systems. It starts with the BS. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Erica has coined, I haven't seen it anywhere else, but the BS. She's like, let's break, let's break your BS yeah. stories. Yeah. And um, I'm like, what's like BS? Like, you know, and she's like, no belief systems. I'm like, that's brilliant. She just has a beautiful way with words. Um, so I love, you know, when you when you mentioned that you felt like that there was something more, that there was more to healing than taking medicines way back then, back in 2006. 
and then you mentioned that your sister and your mom were always seekers of more of this quantum healing. Do you feel like that that was the, that deep knowing was that it was instilled by your mom and your sister or something different? So I've been playing with this idea that what our belief systems are made up of are actually just remembering what our souls are here and have always been here to be and do, which sounds very esoteric, but it's just, I believe that we're here to remember, just to remember. I feel like I was paired with my sister and my mom and my dad, everybody in my family for a reason, because they all assisted me in remembering who I was, who I am. And I always say that my goal in life, in this human experience is to feel at home in myself. And when there's a reason that these people that I was introduced to early on resonated and that's just be, it's because it's a remembrance um and if we believe in this unity consciousness it's a remembrance of my sister and a remembrance of my mother and a remembrance of me but it's we're all one this one consciousness and in my optimist in my optimism I believe this is what we're all going back to. And my purpose and mission in life right now is to assist people in that remembering. And the only way I know to do that is by continuously going back to the tools that allow me to remember, because then I can model that. And then I can be that in the world. And then I can support others in that remembrance. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. So <laughs> what it sounds like is you're the one who experiences it and lives it. So mm -hmm. you teach from the knowing and not from the understanding. Yes. So you want to know it deeply and experience it and then therefore share it from that from that place, from yeah. that deeper place. Which is exactly how it came to be with my patients, right? I would talk about in like 2011, 2012, when I was first starting to learn about nutrition and meditation and stress relief techniques and the medicine inside is what I call it. I would talk about it, but I didn't embody it by any means. <laughs> and that was fine because that's where I was in my life. And then when I started using it in my world as a ritual, as a routine, started mindfully eating, drinking green juices, meditating, journaling, doing all the things that I talk about now, it was easier for me because I was, this was the embodiment of it. And then I could go in and I really didn't have to say much. Like my words became really dense. It was just very obvious um, and not just among my patients, among my colleagues, like people would come up to me and 
say, could you give me your spa treatment that you give to patients? And it was just like a five minute relaxation with breathing in the exam room. Um, very simple techniques that just became part of who I was, which is the only way I feel like um, I can teach now authentically, or I can guide now, or I can support now. Is that also that ego label of healer or PA or physician, whatever that identity is, that is the first thing that needs to fall away. I believe when you're on this healer's journey, because with that identity, with that character of Erica as a PA comes so many expectations from those around you. And so when that falls away and you become nobody, you're just are, it's just a, a more authentic experience to oneself and easier to come home mm -hmm. to oneself and then be out in the world as that. I feel like we've heard that sentiment a lot in the interviews that we've done, like about this, this idea of having that same face, being the same person in all aspects of mm. one's life. Yeah. Um, I know that was within my experience as well, but who am I? How am I showing up with my family, with my friends at work? is it all the same person? Is it all from that same, I guess, like we're talking that same truth, right? That same knowing. Yeah. When there is that death of the identity, it sounds so smooth. The way that you speak is so smooth. And, but that process of, of breaking apart from the identity of a healthcare worker, right? Yeah. As, as a PA is a human, right? Is yeah. less, smooth yeah yeah so tell us, tell us about tell us about that it's like so beautiful and peaceful and peaceful <laughs> no it's super messy and it doesn't have to be but it yeah it's uh it's ugly too like it's if your life's path is to be this one person this one character of course, it's going to be a shit show when it starts falling away. I don't know if it, yeah, and super sad, like kind of a tragedy because there's the identity that everybody holds for you. Everybody comes to you when you're the healthcare professional of the group of the tribe and the healer's journey was yeah super painful too yeah everybody anybody who embarks on this path anybody who embarks on the hero's journey so we are taking this the healer's journey off of the joseph campbell mythical hero's journey is going to meet their shadow self is going to struggle it's going to go through pain and suffering and crying and anger and all the emotions that we're here to experience 
as spiritual beings having a human experience. And also, it can be easeful, <laughs> you know. Um, I do this work called Inner Voice, and we can befriend our shadows and hold their hands and thank them for being there and move along. And you can also do a quantum leap. Like you can just start shifting your beliefs and your words and your thoughts and just one day wake up as quote unquote nobody who gets to start a new path. And for me, that death, I, I feel like the death has come <clears throat> through actual death. Um, because for me personally, it was my dad's illness with Alzheimer's and then him dying from leukemia and then my mom getting cancer and having her have cancer for a week, which was a blessing. And then my sister being diagnosed in 2019 with colon cancer and then being gone by the next year. It was just like constantly proven to me that there has to be something more and that everything that I studied, all the money that I put into it, all the time and energy, <clears throat> I think that was probably the biggest pain point was all of that and I couldn't save my family <laughs> so but it was also a very much uh inside job <clears throat> before anybody got really sick in 2012 or 2011 um I was the quote-unquote sick one and um I had to release this, this character in order to explore what else was out there. And I mean, honestly, it felt good to be looked at as the fixer, the saver, the healer, the hero. It feels good. And I mean, I think we live our entire life trying to make people outside of us proud uh, it's not it's just how our society is kind of built how our culture is built and I think that's shifting and I also think that it's yeah the ego death is a real painful thing it can be a really painful thing yeah and I think it, it's interesting I mean another way to to say it is you breaking the habit of being yourself. Yes. Breaking the habit of being you. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we've practiced and perfected for years and years and years. Yeah. I mean, like you said, even from a really young age, you were already in that role. Mm -hmm. You already wanted to be a fixer. You already saw your trajectory of your life at a young age. I'm going to be a physician. Yeah. And then at some point, it doesn't quite make sense. It's that dissonance that um, I see, we see within the women that we, so far the women that we interview. Yeah. 
it's like at some point there was this this what they were actually doing what we're actually doing and providing care then what we really feel like it just doesn't match right what we're doing and what we're feeling doesn't match and so when we have to face that and we're like what does this mean about me and who i am and what i've been doing for decades right. that's um our just biology wants to say, no, you're gonna D-I-E if you <laughs> go out in the world and try something new, right? It's right. like, and I, I think that it's, when I think of it in that way, um, as it's part of our biology, keeping us safe, right. then it's something where you can say, thank you, thank you um, for trying to do that biology, but yeah. I no longer need you to do that. Right. I am safe making this transition. And then also the importance of this podcast, right? Like this is one of our intents is to, um, is to talk about that this may happen and it doesn't have to, you don't have to have this uh, ego death. It can happen with ease or, and it can happen where it feels really hard. Right. And that's okay too. Right. Beautiful. Yeah, I think that's a big question, right? Are you willing to break the habit of being yourself? Or are you going to continue to stay safe according to your mind? Right. Because you are always safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's go back. I thought it was really interesting when you mentioned that the yoga. <laughs> <laughs> that yoga for healthcare professionals that you did, mm. that that was that really, I can't remember your exact words, but like just opened your mind or yeah. blew your mind. Yeah. And in what way? So that was a game changer because I always thought yoga, so I was a gymnast growing up and I always thought yoga was just an extension of gymnastics mm. in a slower form. And that's what I wrote. We're supposed to write on the first day, what does yoga mean to you? And I was like, oh, it's just gymnastics, just slower gymnastics. And then I started learning about the history of yoga and like the, the eight limbs and the yamas and the niyamas. And it's, it's not just an exercise. It's not just movement. It's an actual way of living. Yoga, the word itself means union. And for me, it was, I started in November of 2013. I had walked the Camino in May of 2013. So it was these two um, life-changing experiences back to back. And when I started learning about uh, pranayama, which is yogic breath, all I kept saying was, how do we not learn this in in our medical training in PA school? Like why don't pulmonologists actually know about how to consciously control your breath and what that does to all systems and organs in our body? And I believe that being introduced to this and then there's Ayurveda, which is the science of yoga, to yoga and Ayurveda at this time in my trajectory. So that was 2013. I started having these questions in like 2011, 2012. I believe that it was, yeah, it was just 
a very enlightening nine months. So we would go every other weekend for nine months. And there was one man, but it was mostly women gathering in circles, going through a lot of life changes, experiencing this new form of education, because we all had come from conventional realms. I think there was one chiropractor. So she knew a little bit more about the holistic aspect of it, but the rest of us were just learning these new ways of healing, essentially, and not just physically healing, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. Um, so for me, that was a huge game changer. Uh, and it was funny because I was working for two Indian physicians who had learned yoga growing up in India as part of their school curriculum. And I would go in and I was so excited to learn, you know, these different techniques and pranayama. And they would just laugh because that's what they had learned. But they like no longer, like it's not part of our world. It's no longer part of, it doesn't belong in this clinic. Um, but yeah, we know, we know that stuff. Mm. We know the non-attachment and the non-grasping and non-violence. Sure. We know it intellectually, mm. but we don't practice it in our life. And that was such an interesting contrast for me because I would be so excited. And um, yeah, to just, again, learn to embody that in my practice and still have this dissonance, especially coming from the two people that I worked with um, at that time. But yeah, yoga, it's not for everybody. There's various ways to learn these um, spiritual tenets, I don't know, life tenets. But yoga for me was very, and I don't really practice it anymore. I probably go to yoga five or six times a year. Mm -hmm. But the tent, like the principles, the yamas and the niyamas are something that I strive for on a daily basis, especially now as a mom. Um, So, yeah. Mm -hmm. so, um, so before we move on, is there anything that you really want to touch on about the beginning part of your healer's journey? I just, I think... This is my belief. I feel like you have to go through the mud to get to the other side. And maybe that's an antiquated way of thinking, um, especially in the new world of medicine that I envision, where you learn this stuff from the second that you enter pre-med or pre-healthcare. 
but <clears throat> I feel like there's just like, when you are called to the healing arts, when you land on this earth and you're called into service in healthcare, whatever form that takes, that there, at this point in time, that maybe you do have to coming up. <laughs> maybe that's not true. I think there's something about the contrast in life, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that because, you know, like the idea of dark and light mm -hmm. of, um, you know, easy and hard or, right. you know, any of these opposites that we find just as, you know, humans experiencing this world, that the comparison allows us the gratitude. And again, maybe that is antiquated. But I think that, and then maybe, and also when we're talking about biology, right, just our biology, right. and why would we move outside of a comfortable place if it were comfortable? I, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say with that. Yeah, so biologically, we're either in growth or protection mode, right? Yeah. And these contrasts may bring the the trigger to do one of the two and maybe yeah I, I yeah the contrast is innate to the human experience mm -hmm. you're right mm -hmm. because without it we wouldn't know anything else mm -hmm. We wouldn't try, we wouldn't strive, we wouldn't, um, it wouldn't be a human experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. And interestingly, you know, you say this, in most people who have been through events in their life that they wouldn't necessarily say that they would want anybody else to experience, they say that they wouldn't change it in right. their own lives. And I think it's because that may give that, ability for that quantum leap right that quantum um acceleration yeah versus if yeah versus if that weren't there right yeah i think what's coming up right now is i want to believe so deeply in this that the spiritual world plays with our physical world and that my sister is always here. And the only thing I would want is for her to be back. And because she's not here on this physical realm in this particular universe right now, it pushes me, it expands me into expanding my belief system about what's possible. And that feels good. Mm -hmm. And so maybe I can't remember what it felt like to be expanding or growing or changing in 2012 or 2013, but I can say that if I wanted to experience something that felt a lot better, that it, that contrast needed to be there in order for me to yeah. 
do the quantum leap into what did feel good, right? And that stretching is what brings about new worlds, in my opinion, because you, oh, it's the Einstein quote, we can't create, you can't create something new and innovative from the same level of thinking that it started in. And really looking at the mud as a gift. Yes. Right. And yeah. saying, like, what is this trying to tell me about my life, my current existence? Right. And it's, it's these teacher. little, yeah, it's a teacher. It's these nudges, it's these yeah. knocks, you know, and then yeah. it gets just louder and louder and louder yeah. when we don't listen to it. Right. And so potentially when you're in your clinical practice and it's just not feeling easeful, not getting better in quotes, right? Like why, like what more and asking yourself, right? What more and not in this selfish driven way, but like what more, and that's why it's healthcare from the soul. That's why our podcast is called this. What more could my soul be calling for? And regardless of where you are and your, you know, and your spiritual or religious life, you could use anything. You could fill in soul for something else, right? But like, what more could you, are you here to do? Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I like, yeah. Good. That's that dissonance, right? Mm -hmm. When you get that dissonance, then you can ask that question. Yeah. So I fully believe that we, are really close to walking our purpose or walking our, you know, or living our Dharma, however you would like to word it. And for some, um, some people call it like your shadow job, your shadow career. So you're really close to it. Oh, um, interesting. I've never heard of that. It's for instance, like I heard this example of maybe you're a newscaster or maybe you're behind the camera, right? So you're filming the newscaster, but really you want to be the newscaster, right? So yeah. you're so close to it, yet you're not taking that leap to put you out of your comfort zone a little to step into, you know, being seen that way. So for most of it, it's not like a 180 where I'm serving patients in clinic and then now I want to go and teach ski lessons, you know, in Colorado and whatever, you know, yeah. but it's something just just these slight little moves that we need to take that can feel huge because the death of the identity of who you were and all of that. Um, but also I think that's helpful looking at it. Like when you're hearing these callings, it doesn't mean that it's going to tell you to leave your family in. No. <laughs> I mean, it may for a small percentage of people, but for most it's not, it's like, what have I learned from this experience so far? And then how can I fit more wearing the same face in all aspects of my life, right? Yeah. How can I see that come to fruition or what's the potential Yeah. versus, I love what you said. It's like um, following the possibility versus the probability, yeah. right? That is so genius. Yeah. It's, yeah. The nudges I know are there for everybody. Anybody listening to this podcast, I know feels the nudges because 
your soul brought you here. And it's kind of a tragedy that I can't remember what it felt like to get those nudges and to be scared shitless to follow them. But it's, well, a lot of it comes in what I call the healer's hop, right? Like I started in endocrinology and then I found this urgent care job that was three days a week. So I thought, oh, if I had more free time, then I could dedicate my practice to me. And then from urgent care, I went to a children's caravan because I had always wanted to get on a van and you know travel and deliver medical care to underserved areas. And I was finally doing that. And then I went to, gosh, I don't even remember. Did I go to El Paso at that time? I started pediatric urgent Internal care. medicine. Oh yeah. And then I came back and I did internal medicine. And then I got the opportunity of a life. Oh no, I did research. I did research for um, dysmenorrhea for a while. And that was a lot of money. So I thought maybe if I made a lot of money and I was still serving people, that would be the ticket. And then I got the lifetime opportunity of being a clinical director of a clinic. And I got to you know, do all the things to develop this clinic for, again, a lot of money. And I thought that was the answer because I would be the head honcho and I would be the, the one in charge and I could implement the things that I wanted to implement. And then that wasn't it. And then went back to urgent care and really just like burned out then. Not burned out in the way that everybody talks about that. I just see this like flame. Like it just gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. And I can remember the conversation with my now husband. It was on, it was at my house and his parents had given me their, the table that he had grown up in with in their home. We were sitting there and every time I would go into work, I, by this point I was at six shifts a month and not even full 12 hour shifts. They were like four hour shifts sometimes, eight hours. And I would get this back pain and I was really lucky if Laura was working, right? Cause she knows how to adjust, adjust me. And, um, he was like, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep doing this? Every time you have to go to work, you get this back pain. And I, that was a nudge. That was like a big nudge. I couldn't really walk with this back pain. And he's like, just quit, just quit your job. And okay. So at this point, this was February of 2017. I had a really phenomenal opportunity to go learn anthroposophic medicine in Germany in May with 41 doctors from around the world in different specialties. And I believed that was going to show me my next step and I was right. But he said, just quit and go and start a new path. And I trusted him. Like he was the universe and he was going to support me, which he, he had also quit his job. <laughs> um, and he, yeah. So on Easter Sunday, I made the decision to be like Jesus <laughs> and resurrect a new, I don't know, is that when it happened? <laughs> 
a new path. Uh, so I worked a 12 hour shift on Easter Sunday and I said goodbye to medicine and I kind of returned with locums, I think maybe a couple shifts or filling in for a friend, but then that was it. So I know you hear those nudges. I, I know I trust and know for sure that you hear those nudges and you can always go back if you follow those nudges and they don't take you to where you feel aligned and fulfilled and free and whole. Um, yeah, that's the secret, right? That's the special sauce is we always have a career to go back to if we follow the nudges and we don't get, we don't feel like we are in a good place, we can just go back. That's your, that's your safety net. And you are worthy of feeling fulfilled and free and happy in your life. And I think that that's what we've gotten so far away from, not just as healthcare professionals, but from everyone, <laughs> is this feeling that that that's a pie that's you know a pie in the sky. Is that the same? Yeah. <laughs> right. That that's yeah. like a, like unachievable, and especially for we as healthcare professionals who may be financially comfortable may have security within our jobs, this idea of feeling like we can't or we shouldn't want more or different, right? And I like to actually look at it as not wanting more, but wanting different, right? Yeah. Because more than likely we've been doing as these busy healthcare professionals a lot to feel, to feel fulfilled, happy, and free which just makes us less <laughs> free and a lot busier. So, so Erica, I'm gonna shift gears a little bit. And what are you doing now? Like, how are you in the healing arts today? Huh. <sighs> well, it took me a while to get here. Let's see. <clears throat> After I left, I went to Germany and was told a lot of the physicians would come up to me for quote unquote healing, to use my essential oils, to get some breathing techniques, to learn meditation. And this anesthesiologist sister friend from Brazil said, you're never leaving the healing arts, you're a healer. And at the end of the month, um, the director, our last day, he came up to me and he said, can you teach me what you know? And I put him through a spa treatment and I taught him about the breath and I gave him a little bit of neuroscience. It was like two hours after we had closed. And uh, they invited me the next year to be a 
teacher of this, I guess, mindfulness would encompass what I was teaching. Um, and then I got pregnant. And the next year, I was on a plane to go meet them for the second year of court of classes and my plane caught on fire and we had an emergency landing and I wouldn't get on a plane again so my husband came and picked me up and we drove from Atlanta back to Texas <clears throat> and I just dove into what I do now I guess which is integrating everything that I've learned so that I could have the most peaceful, most aligned, most calm pregnancy experience and maybe grow a child that was absorbing these same kinds of calm energies. And I didn't work, I think, yeah, it was in 2019, I sold my house for a pretty penny. And that supported me for, supported us for a long time. And during 2020, I took a certification course on inner voice, which is tapping into your intuition or tapping into your soul. And I had a bunch of mama clients during 2020. I wrote some for an integrative medical journal. I continued to practice breathing. I got into sound. <laughs> sound found me, um, which I believe is a future of medicine, vibration, energy, frequency. I started doing events with sound and inner voice. I did my, I've been tagged as an integration specialist, whatever that means. Uh, for me, it's just when we go through tumultuous, challenging times in our life, or we go through an incredibly expansive time, whether it's through an outside source like plant medicine or a pilgrimage or a divorce, uh, having a baby, whatever it is, there needs to be space for integration. And um, at this retreat, after their treatments, I would be the person that would just hold space for them so that they could integrate at a more accelerated pace because for this particular retreat it was just four days um which is another thing for those of you listening and maybe attempting to follow the nudges space space and stillness and returning to human beings after being human doings for so long is integral to the process. Because 
like Camille was saying, we are so programmed and conditioned to go, go, go and do, do, do. And sometimes when we turn it off, we feel like it's all going to go away. And what I have found, what Camille has found, what the people we've talked to on this podcast have found, what my retreat participants have found, what clients have found, is that when you give space and stillness at the end or at the beginning or whenever the expansion process begins, it doesn't fall away. Everything doesn't fall away. It just leaves the door wide open for other things to fill in and other things are usually way more aligned, way more joyful, way more um, meant for your soul. And that's the process that I'm in right now. Um, when I was pregnant, I told a friend of ours, Diane Carr, I said, I only want to work in the fall and the spring. The summer and the winter, I want to hibernate in the winter and I want to play in the summer. And um, that's what's happening. That is what is happening for me. The opportunities like this podcast, um, the retreats, the work, the quote unquote work has come in in these seasons. And um, yeah. It's actually what I offered with the caravan. Mm -hmm. And I told our uh, manager, I was like, you know, we should really consider shutting down during the summer and just like opening up a camp for the kids or um, taking a break. Or I even proposed that some like PA should only work six months out of the year and the other PAs should work the other six months and get the same I think, I believe that's like the future mm -hmm. where we get to take the time for ourselves and then go back and serve. What is your vision of the future? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. So I go back to the very beginning of, so Shiny Healthy People was this project that Camille and I started a long time ago, and it was assisting, educating, and empowering you to find the healer within. And I think we're already on that path with the last two years to remembering that we all have the power to heal ourselves in every aspect of the word, in all areas of health. So physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual, environmental and I'm to the point where I even yeah it's kind of out there but physically like you can heal yourself and everybody is getting a piece of the pie right now because everything shut down including a lot of physicians offices a lot of um, primary offices clinics um, and so people are diving more into what health means for them and how to get there. And whether it's people who are following their bliss and feeling better 
or finding new forms of movement and decreasing their pain or forgiving somebody that they haven't forgiven for decades and relieving their discomfort. Um, I believe the future of medicine looks like that. And the bridge to get there is going to be found in people, the public learning more about how to use the mind to heal. And also this being implemented in curriculums in medical schools and PA schools and nursing schools and all the healthcare disciplines from early on, from middle school, elementary school. <laughs> and that just translating all the way into adulthood where we'll need, we'll, there'll be less of a need for somebody outside to tell you what to do to make you, not to make you, to support you in healing. And training more of facilitators and guides and partners for that bridge before, you know, I have no idea how long it will be, but it will be however many, time doesn't exist. But one day, everybody will be their own doctor and their own healer. So I have a story from today with my nine-year-old, almost 10-year-old. So we're starting this thing in the morning is when I take them to school, the days I take them to school, is I ask them what they love about themselves. And um, my 10-year-old, almost 10-year-old said, Hmm. I love that I'm creative. I'm like, well, that's beautiful. I love that. And he goes, yeah, that's my go-to. <laughs> that's what I always say. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and then I asked, does it, and then I said what I loved about myself and my, um, my six-year-old said what he loved about himself. And I said, yeah, isn't it kind of awkward, you know, for us to say what we love about ourselves? because I felt some kind of hesitancy with both of them. Again, I said, I just started this practice with them. Um, and my nine-year-old said, well, to almost 10-year-old, <laughs> he said, um, yeah, he goes, usually I rely on other people to tell me who I am Whoa. or what they like about me. Deep insight, Winston. Yeah, and uh, I found that really pretty astounding because yeah. he really is only, he's so little, still young. Of course, he's outside of this like formative years, right? But um, but I was, I was pretty, I was pretty taken aback. I think it was very insightful, but at the same time, and actually now that I'm saying, putting these into words, very grateful that he's able to put words to how he was, viewing the situation, the scenario. Um, and but then it brought up and opened up a really good conversation about what's more important, what other people think about us or what we believe about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it just ties into what you were saying about um, starting it at a very young age in middle school, right? This idea of, of being able to be our own doctors 
right, is actually really starting when they're a lot younger and the way that we even perceive ourselves, because the way we perceive ourselves is so important to our innate superpowers of who we are. And if yeah. we can do these yeah. seemingly miraculous things like heal ourselves. And then just a little aside to that is I remember when he was younger, like it was five, four, five, six, when I would say, you know, who do you love, you know, or I don't remember what, what are we grateful for, things like that. He would always mention himself. He would always name himself as somebody that he was grateful for, somebody that he loved. I love myself, like very naturally. Yes. And so really looking at, and I think we all know this, but really internalizing it, like how important it is to yeah. continue to train, not train, to remind, right? For them to remember that they are beings to, you know, that they can self-love. Yes. self correct self-heal self self-regulate self-regulate that's massive yeah and that that insight that's interesting because of the formative years where we are we're programming them from zero to eight it's a terrible word but it's true they are video recorders and we are just programming and conditioning them to live, exist, speak, act in essentially the ways that we do because we're parents are usually the ones that are the most around and teachers and peers, um, culture, society, whatever. And yeah, programming them so that they don't forget because when do, and he still does. And just keep reminding he needs to keep reminding himself and we need to keep reminding ourselves that's what we've gotten away from as adults whatever field you're in like what does how does self-love show up to follow those nudges how does self-love show up love of self as camille likes to put it or care of self show up to just feel worthy of exploring something else. Yeah, that's a big one. Mm. Is there anything else that you would like to say about the healthcare of the future? That it's not called healthcare. That it's just called, I don't even know. Yeah, I'm very optimistic. I just don't have the words for it. I can see it. I can envision it. I can feel it. I know that it's there. I just don't know what it's called. Is it, I'm really curious about what you're envisioning, like what you're seeing. <laughs> is it inside? Is it outside? Is it even in a building? Is it internalized? No, is no it, there's no buildings. Yes. I mean, it's just like education or mm. government or uh, finances, like church whatever mm -hmm. uh choose your institution it's not it's it's everywhere you don't have to go anywhere you don't have to go into a building to get it it's already there yeah i don't know how to explain it mm -hmm. but i know 
that this podcast will light the way. Mm -hmm. I know that it is. And I'm a romantic. I mean, it's, it's coming. I mean, it's already here. It just hasn't materialized into human view. And the how isn't important. No, it doesn't matter. Nothing. The how it doesn't matter for anything mm -hmm. that anybody ever wants to do. Dream as big as possible and just forget about the how. Because that will fill in inevitably. It will. If you are on the right path, the how will be taken care of. It always has been. It always will be. It's just changing your BS to get there, your belief system. And yeah, and practicing with it. We build new neural pathways. It's called neuroplasticity, right? The more we practice it, the more that we dive into the the things, the feelings, the experiences, the people, the ideas that make you feel good, the deeper the grooves are created in your brain to go to that default all the time. So do it. It's worth it. You're worth it. I don't know if I've looked into this. But I know I keep forgetting it. <laughs> Any last words, my love? Thank you so much for being on this podcast Thank as you. an interview guest. Yes. It was so amazing. And we will talk to you guys and see you in the next episode. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so happy you're here. We look forward to bringing you more stories from the healer's journey on healthcare from the soul. If you've loved this podcast, please let us know by dropping a review on Apple Podcasts to support us getting the word out. As our gift to you, we'll send you a meditation. Just screenshot your review and email us at healthcarefromthesoul at gmail.com. Thank you. And until next time, we're sending all our love. <laughs>